this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Of radio. Coming up, the fellas return to their beloved Emerald Isle for 2006's The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Sometimes fighting a revolution is only the first step. All this and more Irish accents to the Boston Bar on St. Paddy's this week on Full Screen and Country. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Wow. So many wonderful people of the Emerald Isle out here today to see us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming out, of course, to see our show. All fans of us, every one of you, we love you. We do. This is our first time coming here, ladies and gentlemen. This is a podcast called For Screen... Jason, everyone's dead. Everyone's dead, man. Are they? Look, don't worry about the band, Brendan. The band, the band knew what they signed up for. Just, just you, you got to focus. Look at me, man. There's, look there's at so me. many bodies. There's so many bodies. Brendan, so many bodies. Brendan, what? 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 Look at me. I'm looking at you. I just need you to look at I'm me for a second. I'm looking at you. Do you remember? Do you remember the song? Do you remember? Do you remember what we sang? Uh, gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. Okay, I'm good. Gray <sighs> All right, you feel better? <sighs> Let me try this one more time. Our podcast, Brendan. Our yeah. podcast is called For Screen. <laughs> Just say it. And Gundry. And we are coming to you live from the beautiful hills of the Emerald Isle of Ireland. Now, if you were to ask me where exactly we were, I, I don't actually know. We are on the, a hillside. It is very green. There is a, a beautiful kind of uh, stone cottage that we are sitting nearby. I can smell dinner cooking. It's a it's a boil of some sort, uh, probably beef in there. Um Everybody around me is very pleasant. There's a lot, of, a lot of whiskey in the air. Not gonna lie, it's uh, I wouldn't light a match in here, folks. But man, I'm so happy to be here, deep in the hills of Ireland, to talk about an important Irish film today. Brendan, my co-host, and Jason is me. And Jason, you and Brendan, your co-host. Jason, I have a question. 
Sure. We're in the Emerald Hills. No, we're in the Green Hills of the Emerald Isle. We're somewhere in Green Ireland. Hills. So they, let me ask you this, Jason. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog has two different levels, one called Green Hill Zone and one called Emerald yeah. Hill Zone. Coincidence? Yeah. No, actually, it's a fun fact. Um, when they made those video games, they actually they actually they they were filmed in Ireland. They were wait when they made the video games, they were filmed yeah. in Ireland. Yeah, no, so- Sonic the Hedgehog is a real person. Oh, he's a real hedgehog. He's a real yeah. hedgehog. So what they did is, yeah, no, what they did is it was actually it was it was where the Mortal Kombat people got their idea. They actually took the real Sonic and they had him run through these courses in Ireland right. at full speed, oh. and they filmed it. Oh. And what they did was they 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 rotoscoped it like the Mortal Kombat guys and used that as the basis for Sonic the Hedgehog. So that's why those games are so fast and real is because they use real real video footage. Mm. Does this mean that mm. Sonic fucks? Oh yeah. Okay. No, he's got a he's got a he's got a a thing and it's a particular color, but I ask not to say what, but I I assure you if you go on the internet, you can find out. Uh no thanks, I'm good. But Jason, this week fuck, we didn't even say what we do. Do did we? Uh no. we this is a podcast where we talk yeah. about uh war films. In fact, we talk about the one hundred greatest war films of all time according to Paste magazine. Plus we talk about other war related movie shit too. And remember, uh, remember folks, when you think of war Think of Paste Magazine. Paste Magazine. When you want a war, you go to Paste Magazine. Paste Magazine, we're in favor of every war. Wow, uh, I don't know if that's the case, but... Uh, I, I think it is. They want more war movies. <laughs> our, our whole economy thrives on it. That's right. Well, anyway... Um, we, we talk about what the war stuff. That's what we do. So, uh, so, so, but before we talk about this, this week's movie, before we dive in to this pick off the list, Jason, we need to read some comments from our listeners regarding last week's film. And that was, of course, Zort Book, the blackest of books, the bookest of blacks, the black book that booked black in a book, black you know, I, I asked to borrow your black book one time, Brendan. Mm, it was too little. And you, it, it was a black pamphlet. Oh, <laughs> shit. Are you saying I'm a virgin? I'm saying the only number on there was your mom's. Well, yeah. I mean, what if I have to call her if there's an emergency? That's right. Nobody knows phone numbers anymore, and you were making a, a uh, smart move in this day and age to have mm. your mom's number on a piece of paper. I feel like that's Trump's next rant. Nobody knows phone numbers anymore. <laughs> I can't I'm even. Make it I I open my address book and it's empty. I'm not even allowed on Facebook. How am I supposed to find the numbers? Everybody has to get their phone number tattooed on their arm. <laughs> that way, you always know what it is. Oh, I don't, Mr. Trump. I don't know if we should uh, be gravitating towards the number tattooing on the arm. I feel like that's close to something <laughs> it's else. It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. It's a small minor inconvenience that you just you, if if you have one, then of course you're allowed to buy and sell. Okay, uh, Mr. President, uh, I quit forever, and I will, I will bye, be bye. going to court now because they are calling me. Goodbye. <laughs> bye, bye, baby. Um, but yes, we do have comments, Jason. Why don't, why don't you, why don't you start us off with Adam Jurez, 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 Jurez. I'll get every pronunciation. Adam, Adam Juris yes. writes, I'll try to shorten up my letterbox review of this really good film. Everything about this film screams Verhoeven. 
Over-the-top moments of violence? Check. Anti-fascist storytelling? Check. Unnecessary lingering shots of bare breasts? Check. I love most of his work, and this is no exception. In fact, after Starship Troopers, this might be number two, but even beyond the Verhoeven-ness of it all is a great spy film with a lot of suspense and intensity with bouts of humor. Though I... uh, though I think it does start to fall apart a bit at the end, which is disappointing. Uh, Carice Van Houten is great throughout. Yes. Well, I, I, I don't think it, I, I don't think it falls apart. I think it's pretty consistently great. But Adam, thank you for your words. Yes, fine words, uh, uh, strong words, and yeah, it's definitely a Paul Verhoeven movie. But like I say, it lacks it lacks just that spark of humor, and and maybe that is the point. Because it's, it's about a real thing. This isn't about a, a fake thing like I, Total Recall. I'll still, I'll still contend that it has more it humor than a movie like this would have made by another director. Yeah, but there's no scenes like when the when the when the guys in the propaganda film are handing bullets to the kids. Like that's just that's perfect. Yeah, I mean it's a different kind of movie. <laughs> it is. It very much. There's is. There's no scene of sort, of course, of Sebastian Cock uh, entering a room and saying, uh, "Bitches, leave." No, oh man, if only. What if? Why? Why didn't he get the gang back together? Casper Van Dien and and Denise Richards and all all the all the crew, and they re, they remake Black Book, but do it with the soldiers from Starship Troopers having been sent back in time. I feel like maybe not as good of a movie. <laughs> just, I I you know what? If anybody could make it work, it's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> That's right. Um. Okay. Well, John Tripp. Uh, chimes in and says I loved Black Book I think I'm the only person I know who has heard of it it doesn't help that the rom-com Little Black Book came out around the same time yeah we joked about it Brittany Murphy dog Brittany Murphy in the Carice Van Houten role that would have been uh, interesting she could have done it she was good (laughs) just a very breathy performance doing an incredibly silly Dutch accent (laughs) oh my god she just watched Goldfinger. That was it. Oh not shit! Goldfinger, can we go, gold member? Can we do that? Can we cast her? Mm, I'll see what I can. What's do. What's the issue? I I have connections. You don't you anymore. Remember? Well, well, we're Republican. Have they shut us down, dude? Yeah. No, I'm not talking about Republican. Have oh, you're talking about Democrat hell? Else? Yeah. Some something like that. Okay. Sure. Uh, who do you get I don't next? Know if she was who do you get next? Um, our next uh, comment, Brennan, comes from. Peter Kroom, who writes, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember really liking it. The plot is complex, but not too hard to follow. Van Houten is very good, as is Coke. Now, I kind of want to go back and rewatch it. That's Koch, right? Not Coke. I don't know. How am I doing? (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) That's the fellow, right? Yeah. The the Nazi was played by Ed Koch. Ed Koch. Oh, man. He was my favorite people's court judge. (laughs) Your references never conti- never fail to astound me and worry me. I watched a lot of TV in the '90s. What can I say? Um. All right, Jason. Jason, no, no more fucking around. It's time to hear from our old pal, our old buddy, Sharon Horwat, the 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 one herself, the uh, the Horwat, the Sharon, Sharon the Horwat. Okay. She's here. Internet, internet film scream queen Sharon Horwath. Scream queen. Yep. She says, yep. Uh, "I saw it forever ago, but I remember very little of it. Am I wrong, or does Carice Van Houten get covered in manure in this movie? Sharon, you are almost right. She gets covered in a lot of shit. I don't know if it's manure, but it's a lot of shit. Uh, I, I, would the difference be manure specifically being animal shit? I think manure is specifically animal shit. So you're saying it could be human shit? It could be human shit." 
Hmm. Why don't you ask Paul Verhoeven? Hmm. Hello, hello, Jason. This is this is uh, Paul Verhoeven. Oh, hello, Paul. Thanks for coming on the show. Love your movies. Oh, danke, danke. Uh, can we get as? So I'm glad you're here. We we, we yeah. have a question to ask yeah. you. Um, would it be possible for you to recut Starship Troopers, but with more toplessness? Uh yeah, das ist gut. Das ist gut, ja. Good. Okay, and question two: yeah. Would you do that? Uh, nine. No, I'm so sleepy. Well, thank- I'm sleepy. Uh, yeah, sure, I understand. Thanks for coming, Paul Verhoeven, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, das ist fine. Uh, ein jetpack. You see, in the in the Netherlands, a jetpack means you're alive. Oh, it's a weird, it's different cultures. They have so many jetpacks down there. Yeah. Um. Well, thank. Well, Paul Verhoeven stopping in. That was crazy. Um. What's our last comment, Jason? Our last comment is one Zachary James who writes. It was, I think, very obviously personal for him. It has his over-the-top flair at times, but works as a fun spy film. We often don't see the war from the occupied Dutch perspective, and that's true. That's very true. And and, and I don't know if any of you gleamed this, uh, if you've seen one Paul Verhoeven movie. He doesn't have a high opinion of fascism. No, no. And uh, you know what? I think he's probably right. You know, that uh, that Verhoeven kid, I think he's onto something. <laughs> Well, there you go. Those are the comments for Black Book or... Swat Book! Thank you. Um, but now we are going to move on. We are going to talk about this week's film, which couldn't be any different uh, in terms of, I guess, location in the world. In terms of other stuff, it's kind of similar because um, we're about to talk about... There's a real Austin Powers moment there. We're about to talk about the wind that shakes the barley. When you hear the tanks rolling down the street, it is the barley that shakes. Do, 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 do. It's reminiscent of a time in our past of when the barley shakes. Boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom. The barley shakes. Boom, boom, chicka, bow, the, bow, the barley shakes. Bow, 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 chicka, bow, bow, bow. Rise up, united Irishman. Bow, 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 bow. The barley shakes. Bow, 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 bow. Stop that barley shaking now. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, independence. I have become wind, the shaker of barley. That's right, folks. You could tell by that theme song that we are talking about. The wind that shakes the barley, the most Irish-sounding title it could possibly have uh, for this movie. Very appropriately so. Jason, this is... um, We're going back to a director who we covered twice on our British list. Yeah, going, going way back. Going way back. Well, I mean, I think one of them was kind of towards the end, um, but we did talk about Kess very early on, and mm-hmm. then much later we talked about My Name is Joe, um, yes. and that is, of course, director Mr. Kenneth Loach. Kenneth Loach. Still still kicking in 2006, still directing. Still directing. Still alive to this day, I believe. Yeah, the man can't die. The, um, so he's he's pretty smart. We've established that. Yes, very smart man, Ken Loach. Uh, our hats are off to you if we wore fancy hats. If we wore, we don't fancy. we? Well, Brendan doesn't wear hats, and I wear ball caps. I don't wear hats. I don't believe it. I never have. But Ken Loach, no. uh, director of this movie that we're going to talk about, "The Wind That Shakes the Barley," uh, number fifty-four on Paste Magazine's war movie list. And uh, this is about, what is this about, Jason? This is the 1920s Ireland uh, confrontation of Barley versus uh, uh, Hayes? Yes. Now, Brendan, of course, we've watched a number of movies about the Troubles. Which were certainly. later. 
which were later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't watched that many movies about the actual Irish Civil War. No. I, we may have watched one, possibly. Did we? I don't, I don't remember. So. I don't remember. If we did, if, if, if we did, it was a long time ago. If we did, it's out of my memory bank. Yes. But this is, yes, this is set uh, during the Irish War of Independence of the 1920s, which happened after, uh, you know, a long series of rebellions uh, in Ireland since the uh, English had dominated the island for 700 years at that point, I think. Mm, just a quick little... Um... And they were getting real tired of it. I mean, much like most of Britain's empire, they were getting real tired of it. And the Irish, give them credit, they'd been under imperial domination for longer than just about anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were right there. And, so, and I just want to point out too, Jason, before you get into this, uh, this, mo- this movie not only is it directed by uh, Ken Loach, but we have two familiar faces showing up here. Ooh. One very familiar face, but we uh, uh, co-starring in this movie as Dan is uh, Liam Cunningham, who we saw in yes. uh, on this podcast. We watched him in Hunger. Um, and of course, we all know him from the, as the Onion Knight, Sir Davos Seaworth on Game of Thrones. Yeah, of course, we all we both know what that is. Um, yep. And then our lead of this movie, of course, and this is why I made the joke: I am Wind, Shaker of Barley, <laughs> because we have Doctor <laughs> Robert Oppenheimer himself, Killian Murphy, as the lead. No, uh, Damien O'Donnell. Uh, we, we do. N- just to note, we do not see his wang in this movie. We do not see Killian's Murphy in this movie. If you want, to, if you want that, listen to our episode on Twenty Eight Days Later. Don't watch the movie. Yep. Just listen to us describe no. his wang on our episode yep. with Twenty Eight Days Later, which I don't think we did. I think we literally just said, "Oh, hey, it's his penis." No, no, we spent forty five minutes on it. I'm pretty oh, sure. God. It did hit my head really hard after we recorded that episode, so that makes sense. Yeah. No, the uh, Library of Congress actually put us in the archives because our audio description of his penis was better than any picture they had. So it's in it's in the Library of Congress now. It's in the Library of Congress. Absolutely, wow. it's in the computer, so that the computer can use our description to uh, project a three D image of it uh, in the Library of Congress. So if you go to radio, you, you remember that scene. Do you remember that scene in uh, All the President's Men where it's like the spitting thing and they're like pulling up and that's Library of Congress? Yeah, yeah. Imagine a big spitting dick holographic in the middle. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, you, you tell me to imagine that as if I don't already imagine that every day of my life. Um, you I know, can go to radio. There. The future's coming. You can go to Radio City Music Hall and request to listen to an episode of For Screen and Country. Okay, Jason, please proceed. Ireland. They were mad. Yeah, so the, the wind. The wind that shakes the barley is set during the Irish Civil War initially, and then, of course, during, or sorry, it's set during the Irish War of Independence initially, then the Irish Civil War. That's how that works. You generally don't have a civil war before a war of independence. Sometimes it takes a while. Usually there is a civil war quickly after an independence, uh, you know, war, but, you know, in the United States, it took them 80 years before they had their civil war. We had our civil war, like, it was a rebellion, really. I'm just glad, I'm just glad now everything's great and perfect and fixed. Oh, everything's perfect. Uh, like 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 phone calls, uh, life is perfect. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we got the the wars going on. We got our our hero is Damien O'Donovan. Uh, Damien O'Donnell. O'Donovan. O'Donovan. Uh, it could be anything. Oh, D- Damien O Irish face. For all we know. Wow. We're starting. Uh, <laughs> we're starting hot already. <laughs> we we love you, Ireland. His name Please was Whiskey Shaughnessy. <laughs> Whiskey O Drunkenstein. Oh Jesus. Uh, he was half half Irish, half Jewish. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't like no, any um, of this. No. Damien O'Donovan, he is a young man, like so many young men. He's a smart young fellow, and he's uh, getting ready to go to uh, practice medicine in, you know, the capital of medicine in the world at this time, London, because it was the British Empire in charge, and, you know, lots was going on. But a lot of friends were Irish nationalists and possibly members of uh, subversive groups, and his house gets raided by troops, 
you know how they are. Black and tans, I think specifically. If they weren't black and tans, they were all dressed in black and tan. They so that would be weird if they weren't. Yeah, they were. And they, they fucked them all up and caused a bunch of trouble. And it's enough to convince to, uh, our hero to stay and join the act of rebellion against well, I mean, the British. The act of war. You, s- you the say British. fuck them all up and cause a bunch of trouble. I mean, they, they legitimately kill one of them. They, they kill a guy, yeah. For, they, for they, speaking in Gaelic. Who, who simply, for speaking in Gaelic and not giving his name to the officer in English. Right. This Now, let's well, right out the gate, let's say, when it comes to the British in this movie, there's very little subtlety. There's one character of the British that is like, oh, my dad's from Ireland, so maybe I'm not so bad. But the British are pretty much just, they're the imperial villains of this movie, and rightfully so. Now, is this, is this uh, the, the same character that says, um... I don't want to see anyone die under my watch and helps them get out of the prison, or is this a different British character? Because there might be two. No, that's who I'm talking Grogan. I'm talking about, yeah, okay. Grogan, I think his name was, or Gro- Grogan. Grogu? Yeah, he was the young British soldier that deserted to get those guys out of the prison. Wait, Grogu from The Mandalorian? Yes. <laughs> he just he used his force to open all the locks, which was weird that he let the, left those three other guys to die, but he must have had an I, issue I, with It them. took me out of the movie a little bit when Grogu was just, like, torturing the <laughs> Irish... Irishman, I thought, I thought, I thought, like they could clearly get away from this. <laughs> yeah, so, so the the British are pretty villainous, and like these guys are assholes right out of the gate, and they, 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 man, they, they kill a guy, the, a kid who's seventeen. So of course this radical, and they don't realize, but this happens all the time. This just radicalizes everybody who sees it, and they join up and they start fighting against the British, and uh, you know, fight, learning to fight guerrilla tactics and stuff. Uh, using uh, field hockey sticks as training implements. I mean, they don't have they don't have a formal structure. They literally have to train as gorillas, and that's how they operate. They do ambushes and shit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he gets involved, and Damien is a doctor, so that's a huge advantage to them that he can help treat wounds and stuff. Um, his brother Teddy uh, is also a big wig in the movement, and uh, his as committed to the cause as anybody and all of his boys from home and everything, they're all in this together and they're fighting off the bloody British. And as time goes on, they start to uh, gain ground. They, at one point they have the whole town occupied and they're actually able to defend it and, and maintain their own system of justice under it. They have officials in uniform doing stuff. Um, and this continues on for a while. And eventually we kind of get to the point where in the Hollywood movie, this would be the happy ending. You know, the treaty is signed and everybody's happy, and you know there's going to be peace. But they quickly learn that, well, not exactly. the The Republic of Ireland doesn't exist. However, the Irish Free State does, and the Irish Free State is a British Dominion, much like Canada was at the time, and many other British states. So they were they were independent nations, but they were still technically part of the British Empire, and they owed their loyalty to the Queen, and anybody would have to take a loyalty oath. So this was a big sticking point and resulted in the beginning of the Irish Civil War with the faction between those who were for the treaty, which in addition to this specific thing, also kept the top six counties as part of um, uh, United Kingdom. So the state's been partitioned. So the anti-treaty forces were for a fully united Ireland that was an Irish Republic and it was to no king and, you know, and the pro-treaty forces were like, Either this is our best hope or let's do take this now and then we'll we'll fix it later. We need to take this option while we have it. Like so there's there's good good cases on both sides. It devolves into civil war. And our character goes through a lot in this movie, and it ends up with him being executed by his own brother at the end of the film. So that's a pretty broad overview. 
I mean, that, that's but, typical, uh, typical, just, you know, brotherly love. Eventually, it's yeah. uh, just, you'll, you'll love them some. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> but this is this is a movie that's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, not quite as corny, but it's like Heartbreak Ridge in the sense that it's just this kind of guy, young guy, bright prospects, living his life, and then this shit goes down, and he's got to make a choice, and that choice is quickly reinforced by the actions of the, of the enemy, and... We see a guy step up and and do horrible things in the name of uh, freedom. Yeah, and and you know what? Honestly, um, it sort of kind of reminds me in a way of of uh, of last week's movie. Honestly, when we talked about Black Book, just in the sense that like mm-hmm. this is a, about a certain kind of conflict, and we're it's almost like we're almost doing it as like a spy thriller in a way. Yeah. Right. Like we're following these these yeah. guys, like you said, they're engaging in guerrilla warfare. They're they're kind of uh, they're they're capturing uh, traitors and dealing with them. And, and I mean, it, it and it does have that air of like the whole thing is about revenge. The whole thing is about defe- like defending their homeland, defending it from invaders. Yeah. And that's kind of what we had with the other movie. Now, maybe the black and tans yeah. are not as bad as the Nazis, but I'm just saying no. it's got the, the same uh, genre it's- kind of vibe. It's you have an occupying force in a land that is not wanted there and that is yeah. actively harmful to the people of that land. And in the, uh, you know, in, in the Dutch case, it had been, what, six or seven years mm-hmm. max. In the Irish case, 700. So I'm not comparing or anything, but, like, you get it. When people are fighting for their homeland, they're, in any case, whether it is the Dutch who've been under Nazi occupation for years or it is the Irish who've been under occupation essentially for 700, people still will fight tooth and nail for their homeland because it's the last thing they have in their mind, right? Exactly. Where do you go from there? You can't really retreat from your home. <laughs> and Jason, it's funny. We're going to I mean, we're going to jump around a bit obviously, but like I just want to bring up one quick thing. You mentioned the treaty um that that yes. is ratified eventually yep. to make Ireland quote unquote free but still under, you know, British em- still under the British Empire. So really not yep. that free. Um not yeah, not as free as they want to be. Technically, because Canada was similar at the time, and Canada was this way really up until we, you know, until we patriated our own constitution. Yeah, that there were things that we had to go to the British for because we ourselves didn't have the ability to uh, uh, pass certain types of laws, and we needed the British to do it for us. And so, when we patriated our constitution, that gave us that power to do that. And really, at that point, true independence from the crown. We do still pledge loyalty and stuff, but what are they going to do? If we decide we don't want to do what they want to do, yeah, Nothing. we have to take down the picture of His Majesty. Too bad. Well, no, it, I was going to say that it just um, the thing that intrigued me about this whole thing is that when they're having this scene, there's a big, I guess, set piece scene where they're debating back and forth about the treaty and you know if they should ratify it, if they shouldn't, and that's of course a big moment in the movie because that's where Damien and Teddy, the two brothers, kind of start separating, right? Kind of their their views yeah. are become very different at that point. But they also mention uh, Michael Collins as the guy who went down to uh, to England to help to to agree on that mm-hmm. treaty and you know some of them are calling him like a guy who went down there and got wined and dined and didn't didn't really do his part and some of them are saying how dare you talk about michael collins that way it just made me very curious because there is a michael collins movie with liam neeson i think oh. that would be very interesting to uh discuss. that is a brennan that is a absolutely wonderful movie i love that movie mm-hmm. uh with it's 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 the that movie features kind of the this Conflict, but between Michael Collins on the pro treaty side and Eamon de Valera, played by the great Alan uh, uh, Alda. No, 
I was gonna say Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck. <laughs> Alan Ruck. Oh my God. I wish he, he'd be he'd be all right. Uh, the great Alan Rickman, of course, yes. playing Eamon de Valera, and of course, um, uh, classic Irish actress uh, Julia Roberts. Sure. <laughs> um, no, but I was but, gonna, um, but I was just gonna say that would be an interesting one to look at is kind of that perspective, but. Um, it's yeah. just interesting in this movie how it's just a very quick throwaway, like ah, oh, Michael Collins, and mm. then from what I read, he was killed like not long yeah. after that. He was he was assassinated by anti treaty forces yeah. shortly thereafter. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about in that in the we, midst we were... of the Irish Civil War. We'll talk about that if we ever talk Anyways, about I Ma- wanted to, Michael Collins. What but... I wanted to point out though was is that ultimately the uh, there was essentially because uh, the two main complaints with the with the treaty are were that they lost the six counties of Ireland in the north. And that Ireland was not an actual republic. It was a vassal state of the empire, essentially. Even if it had its independence, it still was ultimately at their beck and call. So much later on, I think in the late 30s, Eamon de Valera, when he was prime minister of uh, 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 the Irish Free State, he just called like a, they had a constitutional convention and they wrote a brand new constitution and they just threw, just said, we're not a free state anymore. We're not a dominion. We're the Irish Republic. Mm-hmm. And to this day, that's what they are. And then years later, so they, Michael Fassbender had some problems. That's right. <laughs> he played himself, right? Yes. Michael Fassbender went on a hunger strike and died, but then was reincarnated later as himself, oh, and he became a successful actor. Thank God, because he had to make that great movie, Assassin's Creed. Um, oh, yeah. So, so you feel the anger. You feel the rage. The British have been in Ireland for 700 goddamn years. Um, with their thumb over the over the people, so right away, and and this movie I think does a great job of like, I think having a character because I think all these characters like the conflict is obviously real, but we're putting fictional characters yep. in this world, yes, um, much like you you know you might see in like a, a movie like Titanic or something, or even like Saving Private yeah. Ryan, like these are real Absolutely. things that happen, but these are not real characters. But um, what I really think is well done in this movie is Killian Murphy's character as Damien. Um, yeah. he's not a, a necessarily a very politically active person at the beginning of the movie. I mean, he's certainly no. not happy with it, but his brother Teddy is very much the the guy. Like, he's very much like you know, yeah. uh, wants to you know, yeah. The, the IRA is the thing at the time, right? It, it, it exists. Yeah. Okay, so Teddy yes. is very much yes, the he, IRA. Uh, um, Damien is like you know, I'm going off to London to be to practice medicine to get a great job as a doctor and he just becomes radicalized and and i love i love how they have a character like him because he's the furthest thing he's passive he's not uh he's not a kind of that kind of guy at all and he just com- he completely does a 180 and but to, to the point where at the end of the movie like you said when he's about to be executed and he won't simply give up like the location of the guns or or anything mm-hmm. Um, because he feels like he'll he'll sell out, and that is such a is yeah. such a drastic character transformation throughout the movie. Um, but I think yeah. it really shows how bad this conflict was and how much it changed people by using a character yeah. like that. Well, and it's and it's a somewhat and I guess obviously this movie's from the Irish perspective. It's a somewhat passive radicalization in the sense that he doesn't cause anything to happen. This guy is apolitical enough in an Irish society or sees him as kind of separate from it enough to be like, yeah, I'm going to go to London. Yeah. I don't think any Irish nationalist at this time would be very interested in going to London for anything short of like blowing up a building or something to help their cause. Right. That's what I mean. Um, And then you ask the same character later on, there's no way he's going to fucking London to do anything uh, to help them. (laughs) No, absolutely not. 
yeah, and you see that transformation from a guy, yeah, who doesn't really care to a guy who is so committed to his principles and so unwilling to compromise by the end of the movie that he's willing to be executed by his own brother. And that's the thing, like, I mean... I think we talked about And that about his this. own brother is willing to do it. That yeah, that's also part of it. Um but that's the thing when we talked about like movies like Hunger and stuff, it's like where does it where does it stop? Like how far are you willing to go for this? Like uh, giving their lives. But I mean ultimately is it going to change anything if you die? I don't know. I certainly not everyone. Well, isn't that the ultimate argument between the sides in this civil war? The idea it's like it's about the dead people that already sacrificed themselves, right? On one side, you know, uh, Damien and his Republicans are saying, we have sacrificed so much blood for this goal of the Republic that if we stop now, we are going to dishonor their memories mm-hmm. that we didn't get this done and their lives will have been a sacrifice for nothing. Meanwhile, on the other side, the pro-treaty forces are saying, we have essentially achieved what we wanted. We may not have it in letter, but if we keep going, the British are going to come back. They're going to wage a war on us like we've never seen, and then we'll have fucking nothing at all. And those people's memory will be dishonored because they'll have all died for shit. Right, exactly. And and yeah, and, and Teddy, even Teddy has lines in the movie where he says, like, you know, the minute this turns around the minute we get our, our feet on the ground I, I will I will take this I will take the treaty and tear it up and spit on it but for now I'm yeah. working within the system I guess is what is his strategy yeah. kind of is like work within He's the system buying time buying time to attain your goals whereas Killian Murphy you know yeah. uh, Damien is like no 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 we keep going we keep going we keep going but I think the counterpoint well, is if we if we fracture again and do this in come the British again and then we're yes. back to square one. And and the British, clearly, this is the last thing they want to do. As, as is pointed out in the movie, Britain just went through the First World War and saw millions upon millions of its own soldiers and allies die in the course of a, a very pointless war, ultimately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they really weren't feeling being merciful and and suffering more death of i guess british people so they were they were but they were also tired of fighting so for them when they did kind of capitulate it was a way for them to save face clearly because they they didn't grant them full independence they allowed them to become a dominion right they still had to be loyal to the king and say the oath and do whatever but they had their independence and they could do whatever they wanted and then at that point you have the national army which is taking over which means now the national army has to deal with the anti-treaty forces and not the british the british can bring their troops home and start shipping heavy equipment to the national army which is what they did mm-hmm cannon and artillery and shit right uh so that the national army can now deal with its own people and the british don't have to have blood on their hands at that point and they kind of give the irish what they want enough that they think they have what they want and then they can kind of go back to living their lives yeah those british they're they're, they're sneaky yeah and Churchill's name came up because he, of course, was involved in that. He, no, no. Uh, there's nothing controversial about him in history, so I don't know why it did. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm just gonna talk aesthetically for a second. The look of this movie is is beautiful. Like the yeah. cinematography, it's, I love the just the open, you know, the mountains, the way they shoot mm-hmm. it. I mean, it definitely was shot in Ireland. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. There's like a darkness and a griminess to the movie, but then but then when we have these beautiful shots of the countryside, mm. it really cuts through. And it's not like it's not like fancy manicured countryside. It's rough. 
unhewn natural Irish countryside. It is, but doesn't it contrast like really well with that? Like having that kind of because the the tone of this movie is pretty rough. Like there's yeah. there, there's some there's some rough scenes and contrasting it with you know just kind of the beautiful look of the irish countryside and and even some of the houses even the houses that are like you know kind of falling apart and stuff they still have a a charming quality to them and it, it's just mm-hmm. like a you you got this you know this beautiful looking movie about this real nasty kind of subject matter it's just a, a interesting uh i guess juxtaposition it's and it's something you see across the world, whether it's the movies about the conflict in Israel, whether it's movies about in Afghanistan or the Middle East or movies set, you know, like ancient China. It's these these absolutely gorgeous places on planet Earth that just become battlegrounds for humans. Yeah, their their natural beauty is 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 ruined by humans just having dick waving contests with each other. And like, I don't point this out a lot in movies, I guess maybe a little bit, but. I just, for some reason, the costumes really stuck out in this movie, like in a good way. Like I thought they were just perfectly, because they didn't look perfectly manicured either. Like they were, they had the right amount of wear and tear on them. Um, The black and tan uniforms looked really cool. And uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. they're not cool, but the uniforms look cool. No. Um, And then I love how, like, I just love the the look of like the the IRA. Like they're all wearing like different colors and those fucking hats and like, oh, it's great. I love that the bad guys are a bunch of angry Scotsmen. <laughs> Extremely angry Scotsmen. Yeah. It was really, um, it was an attack on you personally. It was, it really was. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a grim movie, Brendan. It's a, it's a grim film. It is a grim movie. Now, now we, I would say, I did compare it to last week's movie. I would say this one is not nearly as uh, bloody for sure. It is violent. There are no. moments. There are a couple moments, but nothing to the extent of like what happened in Black Book. But um, no, I will say though that it's interesting that, and I know that the the idea here, here of course, is that the, when the British capture these IRA members, a lot of times they torture them for information. We see them like oh, taking yeah. off dude's finger, um, uh, some real, fingernails, pulling his fingernails out one by one. Yeah, uh, some real nasty uh, torture scenes. But it's interesting that anytime you see the violence perpetrated by the black and tans, it's usually slow, brutal, torturous, like, like you know, almost mm. bringing them to the brink of death and then not doing it. Whereas when you see the IRA soldiers committing these violent acts, it's very quick. It's very like boom, 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 yeah. shot. It's very like come in, do what you got to do. Um, they don't really, I mean, aside from getting revenge, they don't really kill anyone that they don't need to. I mean, they're, they're certainly killing they, people I mean, that are coming in that shouldn't be there, and they kill them. Like, yeah. and, they, and the best part is they, they, they don't make – I like how they don't make Killian Murphy. Like, I think if this was a lesser movie, he'd be like, oh, I don't know about killing anyone. You know, I think yeah. he wouldn't kill anyone. But, but, we, but early on, he shoots someone at the chest. We, we, we get that in other characters, right? Yeah. You see a couple of the younger guys that are, are really kind of stunned after they do what they have to do, and they're the old guy the older guys yelling at them, like, get it together, this is war. Yeah. Don't look at them, you know. But, yeah, you were saying about the speed, like, yeah, because they're, they're gorillas. This is how they have to operate. They have to operate fast. Well, the British have the luxury of being able to slowly, you know, march forward and siege things and do whatever they want to do, set up perimeters and defend areas. Now the Irish got to hit them fast. But I, um, costumes, yes. The costumes are great. They're all very – the whole movie, again, is a very muted color scheme. Mm-hmm. But all the costumes are all earth tones and stuff. But they, that seems reasonable because they don't have camo. They don't have uniforms. They wear a lot of earth tone trench coats and, and, and you know, those uh, – uh, 
paperboy hats. I mean, yeah, it would what just be it would just be historically inaccurate if they were wearing like camouflage military uniforms. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But so, and, and again, so I'm saying like the 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 violence is different is shot differently and done differently depending on who's doing it, which side is doing it. But I will say that again, I'm going to compare it again to last week. I didn't, I didn't do yeah. this. I didn't intentionally schedule it like this, Jason, but well, when you have two movies about guerrilla warfare type <laughs> fighting, then yes, I can understand why you might compare them. Um, yeah. Well, I just think that it's, it's interesting that, um, this movie also does have a little bit of moral ambiguity. I mean, you did mention that the black and tans are most assuredly the villains in this movie, but, yeah. I will say, well, number one, there is there is the one good guy British soldier, much like Hunger, mm-hmm. that scene in Hunger yeah. where that one British dude is off in the corner, like, just bawling when all that torture is yeah. going on, but clearly he doesn't want a part of it. In this one, they go the extra mile. A British soldier actually helps them escape from the jail because he says, I don't want anyone to die under my watch. Um, Not only does he help them escape, he deserts with them. Right. He is assured that if he is captured by his former comrades, he will be executed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He let all these Irish Irish, uh, prisoners go. Was he going to, like, cut himself a little bit in the face and be like, oh, they got away? (laughs) (laughs) But I was going to say, so um, the moral ambiguity in this movie, though, is a little bit on the side of the IRA because there is a really tense scene. So... There's a, a young character. He's he's about 17 years old. He's, his name is Chris Riley, and he's like a farm mm-hmm. hand for this, you know, whatever this asshole who owns the farm. British British landowner. Yeah, yeah, who basically sees some of these IRA members come around, uh, thinks something is going on, and reports them to the British. And because of this, three IRA guys get killed, get executed. Um, so they get Chris Riley out of there. They get the guy out of there and say, and before they're executed, they say, okay, if anything happens to these three people, if a hair on their head is harmed, we will kill you. And of course, as soon as they hear about the three executed, they say, give us your letters, something that's repeated throughout the movie. Give us your letters and we'll make sure your loved ones get them. And then they execute him. And you think, okay, like for me anyway, I thought, okay, that's it. That's the revenge. But then of course we go over to poor 17 year old Chris Riley and because I guess because the poor guy was intimidated enough that he gave up details, he has yep. to be killed too. And it's so, yep. it's it's one of the hardest scenes we've had to watch. It I is. think so far. Oh, it is, and it, it 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 rings true. It rings true. Like he's clearly struggling with this, um, Damien, as he's going to shoot this kid in front of him. And they make him and so he's, he's, like they make him so like unassuming. Like this character, this yeah. this poor. Chris character like he's like you know just make sure yeah, he can't. my mom gets I don't know I, she, my mom can't read so just tell her I love her like I don't have any letters and, yeah. like, oh. and then he like he, he struggles with it but then he you know he's like God bless you Damien and he this is Damien shoots him in the it. chest yeah Damien yeah he goes the other guy he's like look I'll do it and he goes no I'm, I'm gonna do it <laughs> like like he's old yeller he's like I'm gonna do it <laughs> and he does it and then he talks later in the movie about how he went to his mother and told her what happened. And she said, where's my boy? And they walked six hours to the chapel where they buried him. And they got there and the woman t- and they didn't say a word. And the woman turned to him and said, get out of here. I don't want to ever see you again. Which is called back at the end of the movie. Yes, um, at the very end of the movie. Which we'll get to in a second here. But yeah, so he kills him. It, it's almost like it, it's a huge 
turning point, as much as the treaty is a turning point, this is, I think, a turning point for, for Damien, for Killian Murphy's character, because yeah. you're like, oh, this is where he's willing to go for the cause at this point. Now yeah. we know he's not just like, I'm getting revenge for that that guy you killed at the beginning of the movie. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Now he is like, he is in 100%. He's willing to kill a kid who, who by all rights, is not that bad a guy, but he just, he, he did what he wasn't supposed to do, and he had to go. Yeah, I mean... At least in their view. I mean, I guess the idea is, who knows if he does it again. Now he's vulnerable. They know they could just get information out of him a second time. I mean... Yeah. Instead of you know, it's it, I mean it's war, right? It, well, it's it's kind of politics, right? You have to send the message that if you fuck with people, if you leak information and get people killed, as his information that he leaked did get get, get three guys killed, mm-hmm. they have to send that message to the other people to say if you leak information, this will happen to you. And these, I mean, and let's let's be clear, these are terrorist tactics, if any. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, the these IRA are, are not like superheroes. <laughs> They're, no. they're they're certainly no. They're I mean, certainly... they're they're a guerrilla they're a guerrilla army fighting against a a modern conventional army. And anytime you time. say that, I just I picture in my head every single time. I just want to see a military fight a bunch of guerrillas in army camouflage. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty sweet. Fantastic. Why hasn't anybody made that movie yet? Make it like Congo: The Next Generation. I mean, Bring Bruce Campbell. I think back. the closest we got to that was like War for War for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah, but. Hey, those are great movies. Make a sequel to the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. Nobody wants that, Jason. I do. No, you don't. <laughs> also, I love how you said a sequel to Congo, bring Bruce Campbell back. You mean the guy who died in the first scene in Congo? <laughs> I didn't see it. I just knew he was in it. He, Figure it away. They brought Jeff Goldblum back in fucking uh, Jurassic Park 2. He didn't die in Jurassic Park 1. Well, he died in the book, and they still brought him back. <laughs> the movie's not the book. Oh, boy, Jason, we're going to have to have a talk. <laughs> Uh, and I love the other thing too. Okay, back to this movie for a second. The other thing that kind of ties into the moral ambiguity too is like they kind of interrupt their own court process. You know that scene where they they come in while the yeah. while the courts are going on, and this this business owner who's trying to shank this old lady out of like five hundred percent interest payment. Yeah. Um. They 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 they're about to like tell him like no, not only is she not going to pay you, but now you have to pay her this amount. He's this British uh, business owner, so of course he doesn't win that case. Um. But they come in, like the IRA people come in, and they say no, 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 you can't do that too because he he sells us our weapons, and it's like yeah. well, hold on now, you're you're fighting the British, and you're willing to let this slide because you need weapons to fight the British, but you're going to help this British guy. Like it's it's I don't know, it's kind of murky, right? It's it is. And it's it's one of the great like struggles of power. It's it's the trying to balance the ideology of like we have we want to establish a Republican state. We need to run things by our own law. We need to do it this way to be legitimate versus the practical in the moment thing of like we need to maintain our keys to power. And one of our keys to power is this guy because this guy gets his fucking weapons. And if that means some old lady has to go hungry this week, then we need to get our fucking weapons. Mm hmm. Uh, and there's, and I understand both points of view. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's it's hard, and and I don't think Ken Loach ever really takes a stance on it either. He like he's he's no. just showing that. I, like I said again, I know we say this a lot, but if this was a lesser movie, I think he would just it would just be completely on the side of these guys, and it would not really look at this aspect i think it would just it it might look at their violence as a bit much sometimes but it wouldn't look at like this 
kind of murky business about, you know, interfering in the courts mm-hmm. and everything like, you know, stuff like this. Yeah. This movie is is pro one thing, and that is Irish. It is unabashedly pro Irish. Uh, <laughs> so much so that there uh, is a female but, character but, named Sinead. <laughs> Sinead, of course, there is. Um, but like, but in its pro Irishness, it is not afraid to to show the different sides of the Irish conflict. That it was not a united front. Ultimately, it was a united front for a while. But like so many, so many nations, things break down after the fact as there's a struggle for power. And part of that struggle is between. The, the sorts of people that look at it from the pragmatic, you know, pragmatic idea of like, well, we want to win this war. We got to keep our keys to power. We got to do this. But then there's the other guys like Damien and Dan who are saying like, look, we don't just have to, we're not just, we can't just get our independence. We need to set up a new worker run socialist republic of sorts, mm-hmm. because if we don't, then it's going to be the same shit as before. It's going to be the new, new, fl- new colors on the flag, but that's it going to be the same fucking situation where the fat cats and the capitalists are running things and the workers are fucked over as they continue to be well that's the thing yeah they talk about that a lot where they say like we know where we want to get but like what do we do once we get there we got we got to have a plan we can't just get our independence and then be like all right now fucking what exactly you got to have a plan to either work with people or eliminate them yeah I mean, and I, I, I don't say that to be funny. I say that's literally what happens in these situations. You either eliminate your opposition or you find some way to compromise and work with them. Mm. Well, I mean, I know you're not trying to be funny, Jason, but you do often. That is often your motto in life. I know. I do try to be funny a lot. So when I am being serious, it is difficult to tell. No, I mean, your motto in life is to eliminate your competition. Oh, yeah. To, to see my enemies driven before me and to hear the lamentations of their women. You know, it's all it's all in my uh, statement of vision. I mean, my other you pod- can get on my website, my other podcast host, Nathan, needed to get a restraining order against you because you, you sent several threatening letters to him. I mean, how how threatening can a piece of paper with some writing on it be, Brendan? Uh, I mean, <laughs> pretty threatening. I will say that kudos, though, for <laughs> mailing a letter. That's a uh, very uh, old school of you. It's a personal touch that I like to, to give yeah. people. I don't know that, that I you're... I, don't, I mean, that I send letters to. I don't know that your uh, your stamp needed to be a little uh, a piece of shit, but, uh, you know. Hey, that's on the post officer selling it to me. The post officer. Did you say the post yeah, officer? The post officer. Post. The post officer sold it to post me. Of course. Officer. The guy at the post office, he wears a uniform, he has a big brass badge, and he says, I'm the post officer, here are your stamps. And you say, here you go, Sergeant Smith. That's right. Sergeant Post Officer Smith, sir. And I salute him. And he salutes me. And then he takes off his white glove and he slaps me with it. And he says, have a nice day. And I say, you too, sir. And I walk out. Uh, I don't think that's a post office you're going to. I think, well, I think it that's... cost me $500 a visit. I'll tell you <laughs> I that. I think that's just a kink shop. <laughs> Whatever it is, it makes my day better, Brendan. Okay, well, so that's don't a, question that's it. That's all that matters. Don't question it here on Four Screen. And country. Um, but yeah, I, I mentioned Sinead. I want to say uh, a little little round of applause because yes. we have another uh, movie here with a female character with lines and a female character yeah. who um, is actually a pretty, uh, pretty decent one. Like she, she does get viciously attacked um, in the later mm. half of the movie where she's basically almost scalped completely. Like her, her, yeah. her hair is cut, but she's got like bloody cuts all over her head. But she doesn't like she doesn't do the whole you know uh, damsel in distress thing. She merely puts the fucking bandana over it and carries on through the movie. Like she she's a strong yeah. a strong character. I got I got to give it up. I got to give it up to another female character in oh, these yeah. war movies because you don't get them very often. 
And and she gets a hell of a performance in that scene where yes. the black and tans are scalping her essentially. And the performance from Cillian Murphy and his cohorts is they are sitting there in the bushes watching this they happen. Have no bullets. And Teddy is, and uh, yeah, they got no bullets. And Teddy, they are like they are struggling to get out there and just beat the shit out of these guys. But Teddy is telling them all to fucking stay because they can't. There's nothing they can do. They literally, if they go in there, they're all going to die. And what use is that going to be? Yeah. And so they have to sit there and watch it. And then when they're gone, they can finally go down and help them out. But uh, I can't imagine, Brendan, being in that situation. It's, it's yeah, it's a very intense moment um, in the movie. And then Ugh. what I think is really, like, interesting in the movie is right after that scene is when the treaty is announced. So it's almost like I, I almost expected um, there to be blowback on, like, oh, we can't get revenge for this now. They're just going to fucking leave after doing that. Um, which I wonder if that was in the back of their minds a little bit when, when the people that were uh, mad about the treaty. I know that there are legitimate reasons they are upset about the treaty, but I think that's I think that's there a little bit. It, it probably was, but I don't know that they had enough time for that to fester because, you know, within six months they were at war again with each other. Yeah. So whatever whatever shit they had toward the British, they needed to turn on the other people, the either the, the anti-treaty or the, or the National Army. Mm-hmm. Civil Wars, man. Yeah, because like you said, this this movie soon goes from the first conflict into the Irish Civil War that followed. Um, Because the treaty is ratified, the British leave, I guess. And, uh, you know, there is is a good little funny scene where they're like, you know, get the fuck out, get out of here, and all that shit. Um, God bless you, boys. Yeah, God bless you. (laughs) Safe travels. Yeah. and then, uh, and then the Irish Civil War begins. Whereas, whereas Ireland now has their own fucking guys that are kind of like the Black and Tans. Um, well, it's it's the it's the pro treaty IRA members yeah. that, that put on the uniform and join the new national army because you know country's got to have an army, right? So, and Teddy is one of the leading guys in it in this area. Um, and Damien is. And it makes not. sense. And, and Damien is not like a lot of people chose their sides in that conflict and. Where did it get them? I mean, they two years later or whatever it was, I guess not quite two years later. It was like a year and a piece, but maybe not even. It might even been like 10 months, but whatever it was, it wasn't long. But the pro-treaty forces did ultimately prevail, and the Irish Free State existed until the late 30s and became the Republic of Ireland, as we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. And then the stuff about hunger happened, like in the 80s, 70s? That was in the 80s, yeah. The Troubles, like we talked a lot about the Troubles, but the Troubles didn't start until 1966, mm. I think, was the kind of the official start. Well, as a, as a, as a whatever the uh, opposite of a history buff is, a babe in the, babe in the woods, maybe? Um, sure. Because I am a babe, <laughs> you got to admit. Uh, well, and, you know, you, you've done well. Thanks, I will say you. that. I've been working on it, on uh, on these. Um I was uh, I was surprised to hear about like hunger strikes and stuff because I thought I I thought I wait a second I thought that big thing uh, I thought that was the big thing during the troubles but I I suppose that would have happened uh, early on they even have the same debate where um, when they're in jail that they're Killian Murphy Damien is saying um, I demand you treat us as pr- political prisoners so that was mm-hmm. the thing that was going on way before uh, the other movie we watched because they're again they see themselves as the legitimate army of uh ireland at that point and they believe that they are entitled to the protections of that any, any national soldier would have mm-hmm. and the british uh, strongly disagree <laughs> yeah just just uh, verbally though um but then we come we come around to kind of the the, the turning point of of the last act i guess and it's when uh damien D- 
Damien just continues like you know him and him and his guys they're continuing to go against now the uh, the free staters and mm-hmm. eventually he gets uh, he gets he gets taken Dan gets killed we didn't really talk much about Dan but uh, Liam Cunningham but he he's also yeah. uh, a very uh, very solid performance um, yes. but Dan gets killed and uh, and and Damien gets taken in and of course uh, D- Damien is um, is told by his brother give up the location of the arms or you know whatever it's it's obviously it's not like his brother is not like doing this coldly like he clearly is like please 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 participate i don't want to do this but at the same time he's like i will because just like you believe in this as much as you believe in this i have to believe in this the same amount like i can't just let you go uh, they'll probably kill me if I do that. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, like, and then, and then of course the, the harrowing moment in the movie is that he, it, Damien's not doing anything, and Teddy gives the order. And much like earlier in the movie, where um, somebody suggested to Damien, "Oh, do you want me to to shoot Chris Riley?" and Damien said, "No, I'll do it." Same thing happens here. Some guy says, "Hey, do you want me to give the order?" and Teddy says, "No, no, no, I'll do it," and he gives the order and. Damien is shot by firing squad, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and similarly to how he struggles when he shoots Ryan, or, or sorry, similar to how he struggles when he shoots uh, Riley, um, he his brother breaks down as he gives the order and then proceeds to, to ball his eyes out uh, uh, <laughs> on his brother's corpse. And then, and then like his brother did with uh, Chris's mother, he goes to tell Sinead, which who's da- I guess Damien's girlfriend. Yes, they were. They were. If they weren't married by that point, that was the plan. Yeah, and he goes and tells her, gives her the letter, doesn't actually say it, and she immediately breaks down and starts hitting him, and tells him to get out and never come back, just like Chris's mom. Mm-hmm. And that's where the fucking movie ends. That's it. Ends on that note. It does not end on a yeah. hopeful note at all. No. No. That took me back um, most, actually, because as we're getting as we were yeah. getting close to the to the execution, I thought, okay, well, it would be very Hollywood if there was like a last minute interruption, but I guess they could pull Ooh. it off. And then they shoot him. I was like, oh, okay, well, um, I guess there's they can show like the other members of the IRA maybe being hopeful. Nope, we're going to Sinead's place. Okay, oh, is he gonna kill her too? Nope, she's just mad at Teddy. And where are we going next? Credits. Got it. <laughs> okay, nope, movie. Nope, my ending. Here's my ending, Brendan. He's on the thing. He's, he's getting ready to get shot. A uh, 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 13-year-old boy runs in and goes, Misters, misters, the British are back. And he goes, oh, well, Damien. Oh, I guess we're going to have to delay this. And he, like, cuts his hands open or cuts his rope off and tosses him a rifle. Let's go get John Bull. We'll finish this later. And then it uh, starts playing, like, the, the music from The Departed. And then, um, and then they leave. And, and then you see a rat in the window. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody gets on an elevator and gets shot. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so it does not end on the most cheerful of notes. But I mean, I think th- I think we've uh, come to uh ex- accept that from Ken Loach. He's, his movies yeah. are usually not the most upbeat things, but I think uh well, we'll get into our opinion i guess in a little bit what? but you're telling me there was a story about irish people and it ended depressingly brendan surely not i mean hunger had a pretty hilarious nope never mind <laughs> oh it's very funny yeah um one last thing before we move on brendan yes, i just please. want to talk about overall 
mm. is the naturalistic dialogue of yes. this movie. Yes. I was I was really impressed. Now I'm not gonna say it's like Robert Altman level, but it is very naturalistic and to the point where I don't know either if some scenes were improvised or mm. if the director intentionally left fuck ups in the scenes. Because sometimes the actors stumble over their words, right? Yes. And, and which was fun that. watching the subtitles I had, having having issues with that. But uh, yeah, sometimes the actors would like stumble over their lines or their words or whatever, but they, they, it's left in, and it does feel very natural and very real. And it and it kind of this whole movie has like from its aesthetic from top to bottom is naturalistic, so yes. that makes sense. Well, I wrote. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually did write down Altman ask, but then later I put no. This is Ken Loach ask because yeah. if you want, if you remember Kess and you remember my name is Joe, <laughs> well, it's very similar to that. Yes, the, the way the dialogue. Although, this one probably is is the most parsable of all three movies. The accents in Kess are <laughs> yeah. quite difficult. Yes, yeah. um, Yorkshire accents, but I just mean the delivery of the dialogue is very similar in yeah. that people are talking over each other. People are people are just talking like people talk. Like it doesn't yeah. feel like someone's going action. Okay, read your line. Okay, cut. Like yeah, I no, feel nobody like... gives like a monologue speech in this movie. Like no. the, the the speeches are it, such as they are are quick and to the point and getting a you know getting a point across. And if anybody does say something like I guess profound, it just seems real. Like it just seems like yeah. the right thing to say in that moment. So yeah, yeah. well, like like when uh, when Dan talks about yeah, it's just going to change the color of the flag. Like it's a great profound line, but it's said in such an offhanded way, casual way. Yeah, yeah, the 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 color of the flag and the uh, and the accents will change. Yeah, yeah, it's a great a great line. Um, all right, well, on that note, then Jason, we are going to take a brief commercial break, and uh, we will be right back. Do you hate your British overlords? Well, we do too. The best place to start is over at ageofradio.org, where you can check out the First Screen and Country podcast with two gentlemen who love the Irish people very, very much. Check it out on ageofradio.org, you Fenian bastards. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh, we got our bits and our bobs. We got our bits and our bobs. Jason's got his bits and his bobs, and I meant to say bits and bombs, but I said bits and bobs for so long that I accidentally said bits and bobs, but it's bits and bombs with Jason. I don't know where my Irish accent went, but it's okay. Oi! Hello to you and yours. What are they playing at the beginning of the movie? Is it cricket or rugby? Uh, field hockey. Oh, I'm I wrong think- on all accounts. I think it's field hockey. Uh, I, I feel like they refer to it that way. I mean, I don't think it's hurling, which is a different sport altogether. They do I'm mention to think of all the Irish sports. No, no, I think you, I think it is hurling because they do mention hurling while they're they do. while they're. Playing. But I don't know that hurling involves a stick. I thought hurling was just when you puke. I didn't even know what was the name of a it sport. Might be. I mean, I could look this up, but I'd rather just be an idiot today. Yeah, tell educate us idiots. Um, I I just said in the tradition of Ken Loach films there is team sports at the beginning of the movie for an extended period of time. 
Mm-hmm, you guys, you'll remember, you'll remember the the uh, the infamous uh, well, the famous scenes in Kess um, with that horrible coach. So the black and tans, you know, that's a drink over here. Oh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a drink made by layering pale beer and a dark beer. Though in Ireland they call the beer a half and half because and calling a drink a black and tan. I don't know what the equivalent would be here, but uh, uh, would be uh, I don't know. It'd be like in Germany calling a, a drink like a fucking stormtrooper or something. Like it wouldn't be would be kosher. Yeah, I think the equivalent, Jason, would be uh, naming a drink after uh, Queen of Canada, Romana Didlo. That would be weird. Oh, that guy, that'd be a terrible drink, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, just tastes tasteful. like just tastes like gasoline and sadness. Mm. And uh, that that diner in Fredericton, that letter in there, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. What else do I got in my notes here, Brennan? Black and Tans are World War One vets, right? Yes. So well, I mean, cl- a lot of these British guys were at this time. They were combat vets, so they weren't to be fucked with. They, <laughs> they'd seen some shit, and they had PTSD. I was going to say, they were probably fucked up. Yeah. That may have contributed to some of the brutality of their of their ranks. I liked a detail that uh, I noticed. I don't know if you noticed, uh, Brennan, with your knowledge of firearms, but some of the firearms they were using, not all of them, but some of the firearms they were using were German firearms. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I noticed one character using a, a, uh, a Mauser, I don't know if it was a broom, it was a broom handle style pistol. I don't know that it had the broom handle on it, but it was like, yeah, it was that type of pistol, Mauser pistol. The one that uh, Han Solo's blaster is based on. Uh, okay. But this, of course, is a historical thing because during the Easter Rebellion, during World War One. Uh, the Germans supplied the Irish with weapons to help you know, keep the British busy in Ireland. Hmm. And I think tried to do similar in World War II, although they weren't actively rebelling. But, of course, the, Br- the Irish sort of work with the British in World War II. It's, it's a thing. And which war did Han Solo fight in again? Uh, that was the, the Karelian Spice Wars. Oh, right. I forgot. He, well, right. right, he's from that movie. Yeah. Yep. Dune's Han Solo. That's the um, guy. Um, I get, oh. Uh, sorry. I was just going to say, there's a great scene where they massacre a bunch of British officers and take their guns. Mm. They just walk into them in a bar and just shoot them in cold blood. And that, just, that starts a whole like seesaw effect. Yeah. Oh, I also forgot to mention, so Dan, we didn't talk much about Dan, but Dan is a train driver who uh, uh, Damien meets initially when he refuses to let the soldiers on the train. That's true. Because we the should... Union... The, we we should we should um, clarify that it's not the killing of that young man that really pushes him over the edge and makes him not go to London. This is really the thing that gets him going is when he sees the train driver Dan getting uh, bullied by the British forces because he won't let them on the train. Yeah, his union has told him no British forces on the train. He won't let them on the train. So they beat up Dan and they beat up an old man nearby, the conductor, yeah. who was just trying to do his job and wouldn't let them on the train. And yeah, and they just treat them like shit and beat the fuck out of them. They act like thugs. And I've, seeing his fellow Irishmen treat it like that, I think, stirs something in him. And Dan, um, funny enough, though, becomes one of the more mild-mannered IRA guys, I think. Even though yeah. he's anti-treaty, I feel like he's yeah. got the most like rounded approach to everything. Yeah, he's he's old. he's, older. he's clearly older than the rest of them, and he's much yeah. wiser in his in his life, and maybe more deliberate in his decision making. And of course, later he'll be a priest for Michael Fassbender, so he's getting ready for that. Yeah, 
That's right. He dies and he comes back as a priest. It's weird. <laughs> the Catholic Church would play that up, but they don't. Um, it's funny that he did this movie and then he did the movie Hunger two years after this. Um, I got a question <laughs> for you. When they're all in the movie theater and they're watching the newsreel about the treaty, um, there's a few people that are like yelling, like reading out the words out loud. I'm assuming that's being done because of the rate of illiteracy. Is that I safe assume. to assume? Yeah. Yeah, I would think in the early part of the 20th century that maybe literacy rates weren't the highest. Um, you know, and this was a time when they, I guess, yeah, they they didn't have sound. This was the early 20s, so they still didn't have sound. So no, they had didn't sound. Have they had music. Yeah, because it was because a fucking guy was playing a piano in the corner. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is what they obviously, which is what they used to do. That's what we still do, baby, in my theater. Uh, actually, there's um when I was to the. The Fox Theater in Scarborough years ago. It's an old ass theater that that was still around then. I think it's still around now. And yeah, they had they had their piano there. It obviously wasn't being used anymore, but it was like in a display of all their old like equipment they had from way back. It was really cool. That would be so fun to go see a silent movie with a live performance. Let's do it. Yeah, I would love to see that. I wish somebody would do that around here. Hmm. Oh, yeah, one take, shot. Take, really st- take note, fanboy Fridays. One shot that really stands out to me. Uh, right before the uh, ambush sequence where they're all walking out of the fog. Like that mm-hmm. to me seems like the trailer moment. Like that's what the trailer opens with, with a bunch of these like ragged Irish looking guys in hats and coats with rifles walking out of the fog. And then they get to do their sweet ambush and kill all the British soldiers and only lose one guy in return. Well, Jason, I'm going to let you take over the rest of these bits and bombs. Cause I don't have any other, re- I don't really have anything else. Uh, well, let's see what I got left here, Brendan. Let's see. Da, da, da. I wrote fucking black and tans because they suck. And then to sit there, like to sit there and watch and do nothing to stay alive, like to watch this woman get assaulted. Thankfully not raped, but still pretty terribly assaulted. And to have to just, you can't do anything because if you do, you're dead. It doesn't. I wrote down that one minute, uh, one hour, 24 minutes is the happy ending where they, uh, <laughs> where the war is won and they kiss and it fades to black. Uh, that's where they should have re- uh, released it as an American movie. The American uh, cut. Yep. Yep. But then the one last, oh yeah, one point he says, we've kicked out the black and tans and brought in the green and tans, referring to the National Army in their kind of green khaki style. Now, yeah, now we just have an enemy with different colors. Yeah, it's a meet the new boss, same as the old boss in some ways. Exactly. And the last moment that kind of gets me uh, uh, that I'll note is he gets called uh, as he's known to be a doctor Damien gets called to a house where a child is sick and he goes in and he checks this kid out and this kid's clearly very weak and whatever and somebody asks him what's going on with him and he's like this kid's half starved like that's that's crazy that even even in you know something like 1920 like that they have kids that are starving in Ireland during this war like that's crazy to think like even then I mean it happens now um so that's pretty much all I have, Brendan, uh, for that. So uh, anything else you can tell me about this movie? Um, I don't have a whole lot, but I will say that um, from the director's own words, uh, he said that he wanted this movie to explore the extent that the Irish Revolution was a social revolution as opposed to a nationalist revolution. He said, uh, every time a colony wants independence, the questions on the agenda are, how do you get the imperialists out? And what kind of society do you build? There are usually the bourgeois nationalists who say, let's just change the flag and keep everything as it was. Then there are the revolutionaries who say, let's change the property laws. It's always a critical moment. Um, 
Uh, Rebecca O'Brien, the producer on the film, said, It's about the Civil War in a microcosm. It's not a story like Michael Collins. It's not seeking that sort of biographical accuracy, but rather expresses the themes of the period. This is the core of the later troubles, which is why it's so fascinating to make. So that's what they said about uh, about their movie. Um, again, which is interesting because we talked about um, we talked about hunger and we talked about that Helen Mirren movie, which the title escapes me now. Well, yes, yes. With the late, was it blue something? No, not even close. <laughs> it's like my mother's son or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. But some mother's son, maybe. Some mother's son. There you go. Terrible. It's my own fucking show, and I can't remember. <laughs> Um, Okay. Just a few uh, quick final notes about the movie. Liam Cunningham said about the film and Ken Loach, it took an Englishman to come over for me to force me in the position to examine my own history. Um, Apparently all the British soldiers are played by ex-British Army soldiers. Uh, They were told not to overplay it, but to act uh, act just as if they would be uh, searching or interrogating insurgents. That was the direction that Ken Loach gave them. Um... Uh, the court case in which the magistrate decides in favor of a woman who has been charged five 500% interest on a loan is based on a real case. The real life interest rate was 800%, but the writers didn't Jesus. think audiences would believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the last line of uh, Damien's dialogue between him and his brother in the prison cell was actually kept out of Killian Murphy's script until the day the scene was filmed. And that line, of course, where he says, I shot Chris Riley in the heart you know why I'm not going to sell out. So his reaction to like reading that line was uh, pretty genuine. Wow. The movie became the most popular independent Irish film ever released in Ireland, earning 377,000 pounds in its opening weekend and 2.7 million pounds by August, 2006. It received positive reviews from critics. Of course, Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 90%. Um, the consensus reads bleak and uncompromising, but director Ken Loach brightens his film with gorgeous cinematography and tight pacing and features a fine performance from Kellyanne Murphy. Uh, the Daily Telegraph described it as a brave, gripping drama, and the director Loach was part of a, a noble and very English tradition of dissent. Um, the Daily Record of Scotland, here we go, gave it a positive Ooh. review, though, uh, describing it as a dramatic, thought-provoking, gripping tale that, at the very least, encourages audiences to question what has been passed down in dusty history books. Um, and the film also did uh, served a great hand in reviving debate on rival interpretations of Irish history. Mm. Uh, so this movie kind of stormed that uh, debate back up a little bit. Now, listen, no Oscars, no BAFTAs, nothing. Uh, I was a little shocked at that, but nothing at all. Mm. But it does win the Palm d'Or at Cannes that year. Uh, oh, so that's, that's pretty something. fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. And overall, um, there was a budget of $8.3 million. And if you and I don't know if this is worldwide. I'm assuming it must be. But overall, uh, $25.7 million at the box office. So it damn good return. Pretty well. Jason, I know I always throw it to you, but I'm I'm taking the lead on this one, you motherfucker. Please. Because I'm tired do so. of this bullshit, this tyrannical workplace. You come in here swinging your dick around, and I've had it with you. I've had it. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Please. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I'm going to wrap up our final thoughts on this. I thought this was a fantastic movie. Um, I think uh, Ken Loach has never let me down yet, and it continues to this day, um, I haven't seen I, Daniel Blake yet, so be careful, Ken Loach, because I'm coming for you. Uh, but I, I, I really did uh, uh, like this movie. Um, I think Killian Murphy is great in it. I think the uh, the way that they um, present it is, ex- 
I would say exciting, but it is exciting. It's entertaining too. It's it's like popcorn entertaining at the same time as being like uh, pretty rough at parts. Um, but uh, I would uh, gladly award this movie uh, four shitty treaties out of five. Jason, very nice, very nice. Yeah, what say you? Uh, yeah, I, I echo much of what you said. This movie is fantastic. As I pointed out earlier, I love Michael Collins. That movie is one of my favorites about this. Uh, well, one of my favorite history movies and one of my favorite movies about this period. And this is a great companion piece because it fills in a lot of details. Um, but on its own, is is a fantastic movie. It's a it's a ground level view of this conflict. It's it's watching people deal with each other, with watching former friends become enemies, people that people that you would have given your life for uh, suddenly now are your enemy and it's, it's chaos. It's, 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 it's nuts. It's, it's, it's insane to imagine going through it. And this movie really does drive that home. So uh, I give this movie uh, one very large platinum shamrock with a V device. Wow. That's a high price. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay. There you go. So, we're going to leave this now. We're going to leave this movie behind in the dust, and we're going to uh, talk about what we got on the docket for next week. Jason, we gotta, we gotta do it. We gotta go back to it. There's, there's a lot do of we? movies about it, and we gotta go back to World War II, my friend. Oh, we're going back to that war. We're going back to one of our most chipper wars. Um, this is, uh, we're going to be talking about a 1956 movie directed by Robert Aldrich. Uh, you might know him as the director of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte and upcoming movie The Dirty Dozen. Um, and this movie is called Attack with an exclamation mark. With our new friend, Jack Palance in the lead role. Yeah, and we've also got Eddie Albert and Lee Marvin and Struther Martin. Oh, so Lee go. Marvin. Come on, baby. Jason, Battle of the Bulge, World War II, 1944. Lieutenant Costa, an infantry company officer who must establish artillery observation posts in a strategic area, has serious doubts about Captain Cooney's leadership ability. That is our plot. And that is what we got. Sounds a little bit like Cross of Iron, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And we'll also see with that movie at some point, too. Yeah. But that so there you go. We'll talk about Attack next week, 1956. Um you can probably find it. I don't know. Check it out. Uh, but until then, Jason, they can find us everywhere. We're on all the podcast apps. We're we're all over the place. Um you can head to our home base at Age of Radio. You go to ageofradio.org slash for screen. And good track. You can also go to uh, X or Twitter or whatever uh, that is. Um, you can find us there at FSAC Pod, as in for screen. Podcast. We're also on Facebook. Uh, Jason, uh, what about you? Where are you at? I'm also over on fucking X. You can find me at Jason D. McLeod. That is M A C L E O D. And I'm still praying for that blue sky invite, folks, but no luck yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm really debating going to the more liberal version of Twitter, uh, Truth Social. But we'll see. Truth how so goes. maybe we yeah shit, Brendan. Maybe we should establish a Truth Social presence. <laughs> <laughs> Are you willing to submit your ID to be verified by Truth Social? We have to pull in that side of the audience, Jason. We're not open mm. enough to conservatives. <laughs> yeah, we really need to start appealing to them. I've always um, said that this is not a uh, this mo- this podcast is not Republican enough, and you know that's been my no. number one criticism of this show. Hey, you know what? We'll be more conservative. Hey, to our conservative fans, friends. 
you know what? If there's something sensible and reasonable out there, then guess what? We're against it, just like you. There you go. Identifying with them. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay. Well, on that note, we're, that's it. We're done. We're out of here. Um, so I guess, Jason, I'll just I'll approach you slowly. I will uh, reach out my hand and gently guide the back of your head down, down, down. And with a mouthful of dick, I say to you, God save the king. And for Screen Country, I'm Brendan. <coughs> and I'm Jason. Bye. Bye. I went like three times. <laughs> they sat within a valley green. I sat me with my true love. My heart, it drove me to between the old love and the new love. The old for heart, the new that made me think on island dearly While soft the wind blew down the glen And shook the golden barley T'was hard the awful words to frame To break the ties that bound us But harder still to bear the shame Of foreign chains around us And so I said in the mountain glen I'd seek at morning early While soft the wind blew down the glen and shook the gold.